Yeah. Oh, both of you that are excited, thank you. This is very good. Uh, for some of you, you know, I travel uh, a decent amount with Catch Fire USA around the country and around the globe, and we, uh, I've been to Peru. The Lord's been really blessed us to have me go to Peru with teams three times. The first time I met this delightful couple, Mark and Anna Burgess, and uh, then we went back twice now and have done uh, missions trips with them, training, equipping, just getting blasted in the Holy Spirit, both uh, in Lima we did a school and then out in Pacolpa. For those of you that know the school revival, they just really came back from being there in Peru. Uh, we just absolutely love them. And Mark and Anna are on a, a bit of a furlough here in the United States, and they were here looking, 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 looking. There they are, right there in the front. Uh-huh. Okay, Mark and Anna, we want to just come up and say hi and let us know what's going on. Yeah. Give them a nice thank you, and they're doing amazing work there with amazing work. Why don't you just share a little bit about what's going on down there and what's going on in your heart and everything. Great. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. We feel um, we are the first people from Oikos, that's the name of our ministry, to come up here to Raleigh, but our church in, in Peru feels like we're family with you guys. You know, when we tell people that we're coming here, they're all so jealous that we get to come and, and, uh, and see you all. Because it does feel like family. And when teams come down. Sorry. I'm going to be very, Peru- I'm going to be very Peruvian and take a photo so they can all, so you can all wave, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're just really excited about um, Catch the Fire and having had the people there. And I think people say to me, is it worth it having teams down? Like, does it make any difference? Is it worth the investment? Is it worth putting the money in? And the, and the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. It's totally worth it, worth it. And I'll tell you why. When teams come down, not only do people experience um, physical healing um, and emotional healing, but they also have stuff sewn into their lives, which then um, gives fruit later on. And that's, I just wanted to share a little quick testimony from my personal life. This past, past year has been really difficult for me. I was struggling with PTSD and anxiety and depression. And some of the stuff that um, different teams have, have spoken over my life, when I was in those moments where I was thinking, oh my goodness, I just don't know whether I can cope with this anymore. I don't know, like, am I still meant to be in Peru? What's God doing? Like, and I would think back to the words that I had and they would be confirmations and life and they would be hope and they would be a reason to say, okay, right now, I can't see it, but I know that there is a new day coming and I knew that something else is coming. And they're like seeds, like seeds that are planted into the soil, into the darkness, that then give fruit. And I see that not just in my own life, now feeling kind of that God has healed me from that depression, anxiety and PTSD, which has just totally overwhelmed my life for the past two to three months just feeling totally free from that, but I'm seeing that in the lives of other people as well. So that, yes, it makes a difference, and we love to be here, and we're so grateful to be um, in friendship with you guys, and yeah, and family with you guys. And and a little funny story, Um, your influence here, guys, and when people have prayed for us, and people have prayed anointing for us, is affecting indigenous tribes in the jungle. Come on. I... I actually have a nickname in the jungle, which they were all very secretive about, but they call me Tumba Tumba. And Tumba Tumba literally means fall down, fall down. (laughs) Which I was like, that's the best nickname in the world. So literally the power that I have received through the Holy, for the Holy Spirit through some of you guys praying for us over the time, I've been able to minister to people and people have seen the power of God, which has not happened 
for many, many years. People have accepted Jesus, but they've not really experienced the Holy Spirit. And there are people that you guys will probably never meet to get to heaven. And they'll be able to come to you and say, thanks for praying for Mark, who prayed for me. And I've seen a difference in my life. So, come yeah. On. Come on, let's, let's all just, why don't we blast Tumba Tumba down here? So if we just come down here. And if we could get some of the ministry team from folks that have been with Mark and Anna in Peru. Yeah, Steve and Lori, why don't you just come up here and blast Tumba Tumba and Tumba Tumba, if I'm saying that right. For those of you who know me, I'm very good at foreign languages. English is my second language at times. You'll get that later on the way home. You know, there's this, uh, they're just going to blast and we're just going to carry on. You know, there's this, uh, this old saying that there's no, there's no foxhole, there's no atheists in foxholes, Right? You know, like, when, you're, when your life is on the line and you're thinking, I could die at any moment, you're like, oh, oh, I believe in God right now. But what happens when the bullets stop whizzing and all of a sudden it calms down and you get back to your camp? You're still seeking after the Lord. You're still going after him just as much. You know, when you're not in that struggle, when you're not in that challenge, you know? And I just tell you, I want to I share just a little bit about the Lord has had me on this journey this last few months. It's been a really interesting season. And I've had these incredible times where my faith has been so off the charts that people around me are like, dude, your faith is my faith. I'm just getting so excited. Let's just go. And I'm like, yeah. And there's been other times that the same situation didn't manifest the same way in my heart. I knew it to be true in my head, but in my heart I was like, ooh, it's not going quite like I thought it was going, right? But I was like, why is it the same situation? You know, my wife and I, we've had our house for 10 years, and we're just, we've grown. You know, 10 years ago we didn't have four kids that are getting older. We just needed more space, and, and we had rented it for a period of time, but now we just felt it was time to, to move on and sell it. And, and so we were kind of looking around, and... <clears throat> and uh, we thought we may have to move like a half an hour outside of the city to find some land and some houses that's a bit more, you know, with the area. And so we were, one morning, I found some houses. We looked at all these houses, nothing really hit. And I was like, wasn't there that one house just north of the 540? It needed some updates that we kind of saw online. Why don't we check that out? We come in, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was needing some TLC on the inside, Right? And, but it was in an amazing neighborhood, uh, all these trees, and it was just such a blessing. And right next to it was house number two that was, like, ridiculous over the top. We didn't even look at that because that was way outside of our price range, right? So uh, we make an offer on, on house number one, and we, uh, because it needed so much work, we said, you know what? We would like $7,500 in renovation budget and $5,000 in closing costs. But we'll give you full listing price. So we made that offer. And I was working with Josh, who's my real estate agent, happens to be my brother-in-law. And he's like, that's, that's a pretty strong offer. I mean, especially in today's market. If you know anything about the real estate market, houses are flying off the, the shelves, so to speak, if you put houses on shelves. Um, and so <clears throat> that, that's it. We make the offer. Hadn't heard anything. And now it's Sunday morning. Uh, it's a couple days after you make the offer, and I'm heading to D.C. It's the 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation. They're moving the, the embassy, and they're having this big gala in D.C. at the Bible Museum, at the Israeli embassy, and all this stuff. And I'm going as kind of a representation of Catch the Fire to be there, to be part of that. And I pull up my phone, and I see house number two that was way outside our price range had an open house. And all of a sudden, immediately in my mind, I said, we should offer them $100,000 less than tax value. And I was like, is that you, Lord? Is that me? Is that just ADD? I'm like, well, okay. So I, uh, I head to D.C. and I said, hey, Kath, there's an open house. Why don't you go check it out? I mean, it was way outside of our price range. And I think, we, you know, if you like it, maybe we should offer them $100,000 less than, than tax value. 
you know? And uh, so I arrive at DC, I pull into my host home, and I start, my phone starts blowing up. Kathy's there, uh, Callie's there, and they're like, this house is amazing, it's beautiful, oh, we love it so much, the house next door is so ugly, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's an extra $100,000, I mean, it should be better, right? And, uh, and, uh, and so I, I called the real estate agent, Josh, I said, hey, Josh, uh, is there any way you could go over, the agent's there, you could talk to her, and, and offer $100,000 less in tax value for the house? He's like, um... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That, that, feels, ooh, that feels good. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, please don't shoot the messenger, right? You know? And I said, but do it in a real honoring way. Say, hey, we can't afford your house. We didn't think we could afford your house. We didn't even look at your house. But hey, we love the neighborhood. Just out of curiosity, we don't want to be offensive. But hey, if your house is, you know, if you're interested, right? And so long story short, he goes over, uh, starts talking to the real estate agent. She knows some folks from Catch the Fire. And then now I'm, I'm on the D.C. Metro, and we still haven't heard if we were under contract on the other one. I'm like, should I rescind the contract? Because once I go on a contract, I've got real money that's going out. Should I cancel? But if I cancel, then I lose that house. And what if I lose the second house? And I'm in this crazy, like, calling the banker, how much more money can I get, you know? And uh, I'm on the D.C. Metro, which is, means it's tunnel, and then you stop at a station, you get a cell phone signal, tunnel, and I'm still with my, my host that I'm supposed to be connecting with, and I'm like, sorry, dude, you know, I'm on the phone making these deals, and, and all of a sudden, Josh is like, calls me, he's like, yep, there's, they still haven't heard, they don't know why, uh, the son is selling it for the kids, they're over in the Middle East, we'll get back to you, I'm like, okay, I got a little bit of time, they'll counter, you know, next stop, ring, 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 JT, congratulations, you just bought house number one, I'm like, Really? And I'm like telling this host and everyone that weekend, they're like, you bought a house. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not sure if I'm excited now. You know, did I do the deal wrong? Did I mess up? And I'm like, what am I doing? And so that night I was really bummed and I'm like, did I do it wrong? And by the next day I was like, you know what? House number one is such a ridiculous blessing. We're in this amazing neighborhood. Yeah, it needs some elbow grease, but we'll do elbow grease. We can do that, right? And uh, so, you know, I come home. I'm, by this point, I'm like, I'm excited. The Lord has just blessed us with a house. So we, everybody has a bedroom. We don't have to share bedrooms anymore, you know. And, and we had put all the three kids in our master bedroom because it's a three-bedroom, and we're working something out. And I get home, and Josh is like, oh, yeah, we're excited. We're high-fiving. And, and then he's like, um, oh, oh, by the way, the house number two? Well, they can't do $100,000 less in tax value, but maybe like 50 or 60. And I'm like, oh, now we're close. Now we're close. And so we counter back and forth. Long story short, we ended up getting under contract for $70,000 less than tax value. Thank you, Jesus. I was obnoxious the next day with Jesus and how much he is goodness. House number one was a blessing. House number two is so ridiculous, over the top, unbelievable. Like you can't even believe how amazing our God is. You know, and I was like, wow, thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. We worked out a deal to get out of the other house, took care of that, and we're just trucking. You know, we got it, we got it's a contingent, so I gotta sell my house. We we finish the bathrooms, we get everything rock and rolling, and you make your house primo before you list it, right? The best it's ever been. You're like, oh, it's pretty nice, maybe I should stay, right? Not really, but that's, you know, you're getting it ready. And houses in our price range and in our neighborhood fly off the shelf, to continue with that weird analogy, fly off immediately like weekend one over asking. There was a house across the street near same square footage that listed it high. I'm like, you ain't never going to get that, but I hope you do, right? And then it went 10000 above that weekend one. I'm like, you know, you start counting the money that you don't even have yet. You're like, ooh, that's going to be that. That's going to be that. Got that. Boom. That's daddy's new Weber. All right. You know, you're just kind of going through all this stuff. And then uh, we listed it, Kathy's birthday weekend. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is amazing. We're going to get over listing. It's going to be an aggressive market. What an amazing blessing, you know? 
11 showings, no offers. So I was like, oh, that's not the birthday present I thought. Okay. You know, and, and, and there's this, 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 this thing that I've been pressing with is like, how can I be so high at sometimes and other times it ends up being like, mommy, mommy, are you there? You know, Jesus is on the throne. We know it in our head and you're living in faith. But sometimes you're like, the throne's there. I know it. But can you move down to 18 inches? And so first offer that we end up coming in was $5,000 less than tax value, I mean, than our listing value, and you're bummed, especially when you're thinking you're going to get 10 more, but you're like, okay, so you're getting ready to sign the contract, and then before we can sign the contract, their financing falls through, so you're like, well, that, that sort of sucked, and then we're trucking along, trucking along, and I'm now getting close to the point, I've got to turn in a contract to keep the other house, because it's contingent, and then offer comes in $25,000 under asking, or under list, and I was like, I, I can't even make the numbers work. Right? So we ended up working it out, and we got it for $15,000 under our original asking, and we can just make it work. We're like, thank you, Jesus. We'll get into the house. And then they were uh, <clears throat> first-time home buyers. They had the inspection and gave me a 14-point due diligence list with sub-points, and I needed to have eight different contractors to come over and work on the house. The former trial attorney came out. I was thrilled with that and got a little hot, angry, and I was pressing the Lord, and the Lord just said, why don't you treat them like you would want your kids to be treated? Why don't you take a father-heart approach? I'm like, okay, all right. So did that, ended up doing almost everything and some extra things that they kept adding on, like a civil engineer to come out and look at something that I told him wasn't a problem. And then the civil engineer said there was no problem. And then they said, oh, yeah, but can you now do a home warrant? It is, you're like, all right, how do you want them to be treated, Papa? Okay. And then delayed vacation. Now we're out on vacation. And uh, vacation was a unique experience this year for me. I've never really um, had a major car accident before. You know, I've, you know, you bump a few things here and there. And, and uh, so I'm coming into camp after just where we're, we're staying. And, and, and I'm, I'm about ready to pull in. And I, there's a couple of toys out there that happen to be my kids' toys that are $10 that I just bought them. I'm like, oh, I don't want to run over them. Maybe I should get out. Oh, that's, that's a cousin's camp. That's a cousin's house. I don't want to park there. Maybe I'll park next door. And I'm backing up, focusing on where I'm going forward, even though we have a backup camera. smashed the lift gate on the back of my van because there was a work pickup truck that hadn't been there all week, clearly my fault, and blew out the whole back glass. I was supposed to leave the next day to drive three hours to pick up my wife coming into the airport, and I got no glass. And where we are in northern New Hampshire, State Farm ain't up there. They're like, we don't have anybody up in that area. I'm like, okay, sweet. So this is the kind of place that I'm like, oh, that's, you want to spend the deductible on a new glass? And you know, you're in this place that you're already like, bummer. And then three hours before the due diligence deadline is done, we get a call and uh, they decided to back out of the house with no real reason. They just said, for personal and confidential reasons, please respect our privacy. And I was like, ouch. And I went down. Like this place that I was on, this radical faith journey. Like I'm like at this place and Josh is like, man, I don't have, I mean, you've been walking this journey, bro, but this is amazing. And he's like, I'm on, I'm on board. And then all of a sudden I'm down. And Kathy, she goes, Jesus is in this. He's Lord. He's amazing. It's going to be awesome. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I know, but I don't feel it right now. And I had transferred all the utilities to the new house, got my mail going to the new house, you know, doing all those things. And I had to call back and be like, oh yeah, about that. Can we reverse it? And then 
uh, we're going through this process, and then we're driving home, and I had gotten one of those transponders so you can go quickly through the, because you go through D.C. and all those places, and then when we got stuck in D.C. traffic on the way home, and my transponder's with my car up in New Hampshire, and I'm watching the fast lane go, and I'm stuck in traffic after driving two days and 20 hours, it kind of reopened that, yeah, you smashed your car. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, and you get home, and we have to restage the house to relist the house and get all that stuff going, and and, you know, we had, it, was, it was awesome. House is already packed. And yeah, anyway, then Sunday rolls around. We get back Saturday night. Sunday rolls around, and our HVAC quits working. I'm like, the weekend I have to relist the house, it quit working. And uh, so we call the technician. He comes out there. He's there four hours and doesn't fix it. He's like, I can't fix it. I'm going home. I was like, this is sort of a service we pay for, right? I mean, we, we've prepaid this. You could come and, he's like, I just, you know, I can't fix it. I'll, I'll see what I can do tomorrow. Anyway, the general manager and a technician come out the next day. And uh, I just need to say in front of everybody that Jesus fixed our HVAC. Is that amazing? No, I'm serious. The technician's name was Jesus. He literally came and fixed our HVAC. I came around and I saw his name tag. I'm like, oh, this is done, baby. This is done. I know our HVAC is sorted. And uh, it was awesome. So then the HVAC's working. And during this whole process, I've been having struggling. Like I've had some ribs that have been out of place. And so I'm like in pain and this and that. And anyway, the Lord is good. He's on the throne. It's amazing. Uh, Within four days, the house uh, was listed, got resold for more, better deal. And we're closing at the end of this month. Thank you, Jesus. But it's been this journey for me of these incredible highs, incredible lows, and I'm like, I want to be like this all the time. When challenges come, I want to be like this. But there are those times when I'm like, I feel a bit like this, you know? And, and then I was processing through this and thinking through it, and I was thinking, you know, how do we deal with this? How do I go? And, then, and the Lord is like, you know what? The disciples struggled a bit. The disciples were with Jesus, and they struggled a bit. Do you remember them being in the storm uh, in Mark Four thirty-five through 41, they tell the story. Uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but there's a big bad storm. We're all going to die. Are you cool with that? Can we work something out? Right? And he's like, he wakes up. He's on the original water, water, water mattress, right? He's like, oh, what? And then he says, was in, uh, in verse 38 and 39, and he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Not just a calm, there was a great calm. And he's like to his disciples, did you not, did you not have faith? What was the problem? Did you, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And then they were even more scared. They're like, who is this dude that can control the wind and the wane and all that stuff, right? So the disciples that were with Jesus had these times of like, I'm with him, and yet I'm still struggling to have peace. I'm still struggling. And when Jesus roared in, he brought a great calm. And so Peter, the rock, he denied Jesus three times. So one of the first things I think the takeaway is, give yourself the gift of forgiveness if you're struggling in a storm right now and you feel like you don't have as much peace. It's okay. The disciples that were with Jesus struggled. And I was trying to think, how do we, as a body, get to a place where we are growing so that we're living more up here than more down here, Right? And I think that there's some takeaways. The first, as I was pressing into, is we want to get around a group of godly men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, that can encourage us, that can lift us up, that when I'm up and they're down and we can do this thing. And it was like with my wife and I, I was pretty down and she was pretty up. We came back and she was a bit down and I was a bit up, right? I was like, Jesus is Lord. She's like, I know. And I'm like, remember last week? And we're all working it out, you know? It's the Danny Silk principle. Only one of us can be down. 
Today's my day. Tomorrow you can do it. It's fine. And so it's this journey. And so, you know, the, the thing with working with Josh, who's my brother-in-law, and he's amazing at his job, but he's also a spirit-filled, loves the Holy Spirit, prophetic believer, right? And so, like, I'm at this place. It's like, JT, you're doing things that I can't even, you're, you're making offers on property with how, money you don't have, and you're doing this. And I'm like, but money's coming. I know that I have this legal bill. It's coming. It's all going to work. And he's like, your faith has stirred me on. And we're like, yeah. And then, like, the week later, I'm like, Josh, you know, and you're just at this place of like, I was the guy that was on fire faith-wise, and now I'm like, and he's lifting me up, and we're working this together, you know? And then we have another real estate agent in town that was leading worship today, Raf Rodriguez. I haven't talked to Raf about this, but I've heard from his clients that literally every deal he's praying through, which deal should we take, which contract should we take, which house should we buy? He's bruising kingdom principles. So we want to be, as believers, on fire and amazing at our jobs, but let's take it to the next level. That's the baseline. We all need to be excellent at what we do, but let's take it to the next and bring those kingdom principles in. We were, with, uh, we were talking about Aunt Mark and Anna. Uh, some of you know Andrew Bradham has a soccer club here. He's been to Pemba, Mozambique, been with me uh, and Mark and Anna twice, and he's using, he's using soccer to change lives overseas and here in Wake County. And I don't know if you know anything about the, the Wake County soccer world, it's crazy. It's like cutthroat. It's just wild. But he wants to come in and bring a different heart into that matter. He wants to inject Jesus. And so people around him are, are understanding there are kingdom principles that you can use that were, as I'm having a bad day or whatever, that he's transforming things through using Jesus in that place. And then many of you know um, Mihali Stavlas. I think they were painting over there. His daughter was painting this morning. He owns his own marketing company with his wife. And he was sharing a while back that there was a time in his company when he, had to, he decided for moral reasons to give up a million-dollar contract because he thought it was against his morals. I'd like to say that I could give up a million-dollar contract, but think about the pressure. You got the people that your employees you're trying to feed and all this stuff, and, but he felt that that was the right thing to do. Now he's the president-elect of the American Marketing Association's national organization. Right? He was faithful in that time, and the Lord's like, oh, I can trust you. Now he's setting the direction for the marketing of our nation, the people that are influencing what we buy, what we use. He's pastoring, he's influencing them. That's amazing. Come on. And my guess is there are some times in his life that he probably went to some other believers and said, hey, this is a tough decision. We may not make payroll. We, I don't know his whole story. I'm just saying there's likely, if you give up a million-dollar contract, there's some opportunities there to, 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 to have some faith muscles stretched and grown, right? So I think the first is make sure that you find good men and women, godly men and women that, that you can partner with, and you can use the Danny Soap principle. You can lift them up when they're down and vice versa. The second is... Uh, I want to look at is to learn the importance of drawing close to the Lord in the storm and the calm, right? It seems to be much easier to draw close to the Lord when you're in a battle, when you're struggling, when bullets are whizzing by. But what about in the calm? How do you, how do you manifest that? Are you drawing close to the Lord during the calm time as well. If you have your Bibles, let's look at 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. This is King Asa. Asa started so well, but ended not so well. He was uh, the king of the uh, southern Judah from 910 to 873. Uh, So he had a a 41, give or take, year reign. And the northern kingdom, there were six kings that took place that led during that period of time. So there was a lot of favor on Asa's life. And and, uh, if you look in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 14, 
We're going to start there. It says, Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him that day. And Asa, his son, reigned in that place. In his days, the land had rest for 10 years. And Asa did what was good in the eyes of the Lord. It's amazing that his, his, his reign started with rest. He started in that place of rest. And he took the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the, the uh, ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandments. He also took out the cities of Judah and the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. And it goes on to talk about how he's building fortified cities. He said, he had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. The Lord gave him peace. And you come down a bit more. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. And we have built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000 armed with large shields and spears and 280,000 from Benjamin who carried bows uh, and drew bows. And at this time, the Ethiopians to come and they come against him and they bring this assault. They bring a million troops against his less than 500,000. How do, you, how do you, you know when you're out going two to one? You have to have a different battle strategy. You go into war and you're outnumbered two to one. That's a tough spot. And what I love is how Asa doesn't think about how he can do it on his own. He goes after the Lord. We look down. Verse 11 in, in chapter 14. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O God, O Lord, our God, for we rely upon you, and in your name we have come against the multitude. O Lord, you are God. Let no man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. And then the Ethiopians fled, and they go, and they literally wipe out a million soldiers. And they take that plunder and bring it back into the kingdom. They bring it back into the storehouse. And things are going well. You ever have one of those days when everything lines up? You're like, I was outnumbered two to one. I won. Yeah. I mean, I know Jesus is working in me, but you're still like high-fiving the Lord. We're cruising. Life is good. And then in chapter 15, um, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Azariah. And he says, hear me, Asa and Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And you skip down into chapter, verse uh, 8. And as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Obed, he took courage and put away the detestable idols, all the land from Judah and Benjamin and from the cities, repaired the altar. And then if you go through this whole story, they end up having this huge sacrifice with like 7,000 sheep and 700 oxen. And they come to this place, which is crazy. This is, this is Old Testament right here, right? 15, verse 13, chapter 15, verse 13. But whoever does not seek the Lord, the God, God of Israel, should be put to death. That's a pretty intense altar call, right? (laughs) Accept the Lord or die. They hadn't had the revelation of the Father's heart and grace and all the other stuff, but, you know, he was definitely fervent going after the Lord. And they had all these people come together. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice shouting with triumphs and horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their hearts, had sought him with their whole heart. He was to be found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Because they were so going after the Lord. This is amazing, right? And then he, if you read on, even Makkah, his mother, 
or grandmother, depending on the translation, he, they remove her. That is Absalom's daughter. If you know the story of Absalom, that's King David's third son that his sister ended up being raped and he ends up not being avenged uh, by David and he gets mad and ends up two years later killing his brother and then ultimately after exile comes back and goes after and takes David's throne uh, until he was ultimately uh, killed in battle. But, you know, that's the spirit that's coming down and Asa's like, no more, this is gone. Even though it's my mom or grandma, she's gone. This is what we're going. We're going after the Lord. There's some hard conversations when you go after the Lord sometimes. There's a hard conversation to your employees. Say, hey, we're going to give up on this million-dollar contract, but trust me, the Lord's in this. That takes faith, right? And so it comes in, and now, so here we are. For the first 10 years, he's got rest. Then for five or 10 years, he's got these battles. And then for 20 years, there's complete peace, no battles, And all of a sudden, the next wave comes. In chapter 16, we see what happens. There's another army that comes up after 20 years of peace. Asa and and Judah hadn't had any wars to, to deal with for 20 years. This army comes up. He doesn't go to the Lord. He then takes the money out of the treasury, sends it to the Syrians to break alliances so that they don't come. And then this prophet comes and says, you are very, very foolish. You should have gone to the Lord. Don't you remember the Ethiopians? Don't you remember? Now you've got nothing but war coming. you got nothing but war. And Asa, if you look at in 16, uh, verse 10, Asa's mad with that person that gave the word and threw him in jail. So not only isn't he following the Lord, when he gets a rebuke, he throws him in jail and treats him badly. And then Asa, his life started so strong two chapters earlier. And it says... In the 39th year of his reign, this is verse 11, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. And ultimately, he died two years later. This man that literally at one point says, if you don't follow God, you're dead, at the end, didn't even go to the Lord. And as I was processing through this journey of these incredible highs and these incredible lows that I've been on, I'm like, Lord, it's the same experience. I'm selling and buying a home. Why can I have so much faith at this one time and just feel like, like I'm on you know, rocky foundation in the beginning, a solid foundation, and the next time I'm like on sand? It's the same situation. How can I be the same guy and not be able to live in both, and just in one place? And, and he's, he's processing is you need to be around brothers and sisters to lift you up. And then the other thing is you need to chase after me in both the battles and the calm. You can't just get by like Asa did after 20 years of not having any storms or anything in his life. I think he started to think he could do it on his own. He didn't have any battles that came up. And there was a, when you have a challenge in your life and a, and a little skirmish, it prepares you for the war. He hadn't had any skirmishes in 20 years and he wasn't prepared for the war. And so there's those times in your life when you really need to Press in to the Lord in those challenges. As Jonathan was saying last week, are you, are, you in a, are you in a difficult situation because you're in a difficult situation and it's your war, or have you been extremely fruitful and the Lord is pruning you? And sometimes you don't know the difference till you look on the other side. And then there's other times, and if we could get the worship team to start coming up, there's other times when... You're like cruising, man. You know, after Asa wiped out a million people, that brother was cruising. He's like, boom, we're doing good. We're doing good. But it's at those times that you need to go after the Lord with everything you had. You need to be chasing after him in the good times and the bad times. And I think the takeaway is, yeah, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have challenges. Sometimes it's the Lord intentionally pruning us. Sometimes it's just where we live. Sometimes it's an attack. We don't want to give the devil too much credit, but sometimes it is, right? Right? 
I was kind of joking after my HV went out and, and I was at the DMV. Oh my gosh, in the middle of all of this, I sold a car and bought a car. I'm at the DMV and the banker's calling me and I'm trying to send them texts to see if I can keep my loan, keep going on, and then I'm countering the deal. If you want to do something fun, go to the DMV while trying to buy a house at the DMV. I was so stressed out and after waiting 45 minutes, I was in the wrong DMV and had to go to the other DMV. I'm like, you're still on the throne. So there's going to be life, right? But I think today as I was pressing in, I really think that there's an opportunity and anointing this morning. Why don't you just stand as we get ready to, to just, we're going to close out with a, just a part of a song as we start to just press in and say, you know what? I think what we have this morning is there's an anointing right now to have a supernatural hunger for the Lord. And it's going to cover everyone in this room, I believe, that's watching online because you're either in an amazing place of rest or you're being squeezed a bit. The answer is the same. Go after the Lord. Be hungry after the Lord. So if you're cruising and things are going good, you're getting more revelation of what happens. And if there's a hiccup, you don't have to bottom out. Instead of like bottom out, maybe just wobble a little bit, right? And you're like, got this. We can move on. And the idea is that we get stronger and stronger, that it's more confidence in the Lord that he is going to get it sorted. So we're going to have the ministry team come up. We're going to sing that, that bridge just a little bit. And we're just going to declare that. But we want to make a way right now for you to come out to, to have us stand with you wherever you are, whether you're in the good times or the challenging times. What I feel right now is the Lord is saying, I want you to be so hungry for me that there's an anointing this morning that nothing else will satisfy it other than a hunger for me. Amen? We're just going to worship together and make a way for you all to come out and be ministered to. Whoa. But we're going to close out today just singing those few verses.